Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember I'm only as hip as my guests. And you know, people, I came to a conclusion the other day. There are two kinds of people in this world. There are scope people and Listerine people. And now Joanne, Joanne, she's a scope person, and she will only get scope. She won't get it at the 99 cent store. She goes, she gets her CVS coupons and all that stuff, and she gets her scope. Now, me, I'm a Listerine person, but I'll buy it at the Dollar Tree. And I don't know if it's because I enjoy that burn or it just feels cleansier. I'm not sure. But I think what it comes down to is, I think, like, Joanne's very technical and she's very analytical and organized. I think they're the scope people. I think us creative people who are a little bit nutty are the Listerine people. But I don't know. So when you're sitting there, think about that. Because I put this on Facebook and I had a bunch of people putting scope and Listerine of course, some people try to be funny and say act, but it was the more creative people who are Listerine people. Anyway, we have a great show today. My guest is a, uh, I'm very flattered to have him. He's, he's a great actor. He's been in some iconic shows and has had some really iconic roles. And my guest is William Sanderson. How you doing, William? Good morning. Thanks for having me. You got, now, are, are you a scope or Listerine man? Well, I just bought a little bottle of scope to take to California and my carry-on, but uh, I've used Listerine, and uh, I kind of agree. I don't know. I think Listerine makes me feel like it's working better. Yeah. So I just grabbed the first <laughs> cheap, small bottle I could get. So, But I like the topic. Now, because, uh, now, now, you're going, now you're going to California to shoot something, or, or what are you going to California for? Oh, I'm. Uh, thank you for asking. I am uh, having dinner with Bob. Newhart uh, Wednesday night, and uh, there's some celebration for him, and my wife and I uh, invited, and uh, he's 89, and it's connected with the Paley Center, uh, where they uh, have celebrities and authors and things like people you talk to, and I don't know, uh, I just, I'm Flattered again to be invited. There's uh, only, I don't know, uh, a couple of actors off the Newhart show passed away. But I believe it's related to Hulu just bought his, both of his shows, and they're showing now, and perhaps uh, Entertainment Weekly or something is involved. I don't know. I, do, I hope I make endure the flight. Exactly. So, I, okay, I have a question. You have It's really interesting. I want to know how you got into acting, because you have two degrees, you grew up in Memphis. How did your career start? Because you, I know you went to school for, I believe, business and law, and you have degrees, and most people who go to business and law don't really go into acting. What made you want to get into acting? Oh, two questions. How, how, how did it get started? I'd say slowly. And uh, what made it, I, I don't know, I grew up, uh, I know you're uh, fantastic with music. I, I, I'm stuck in the 50s, but uh, Elvis Presley movies and things, I don't know. Maybe it registered, I didn't know at the time. Like Keith Richards said about Elvis, he sparked a dream, but I didn't know it. I happened to be around him a number of times, and I write about it in this uh, book that's in the literary agent's hands right now. So I didn't want to say too much, but I uh, I don't know except that sports were the big thing, and I wanted to be seven foot and invincible, and I'm five eight and nervous. <laughs> 
so I ended up uh, going in the Army at 18, and you had the GI Bill. And so I said, well, I'll go to law school. And I did finish, didn't take the bar, but I'll just try to not make it so long-winded. I, uh, it was better than going to work. But I started doing plays in law school and fell in love with it. Uh, the, uh, you can stop me if that's any. And, you know, I had a chance, as soon as I graduated in law school without taking the bar, had a chance to go to New York and bartend for Fridays. That saved me. I could pay for lessons, do the student films, ever low budget that I could get my hands on. But it was uh, the play Hair, a lot of pretty girls next to the law school. No girls in my law school. Then when I went to the local theater to, to do plays, more girls. So, But it was really some applause that happened after I rehearsed. I said, uh-oh. I love this. <laughs> people get the bug. You know, it's so interesting. And the funny thing is, and I've talked to a lot of people who do the same, say the same thing about girls. Like, I know actors who said, oh, we played sports, but when we went and went to theater, there were so many more girls and they were more interested in us, even though, yep. you know, and it's so funny that so many, because we're guys and what do we want? We want girls and applause, most of us. And yeah. it's just one of those things we do. So, so you're in New York, you're doing stage. Now, did you have your mindset that you wanted to do TV or movies, or were you one of those people that just really loved the craft and wanted to keep learning it and growing? Well, I thought I thought if I want to make movies or do TV, I need to go to New York and try to learn how to act. And I tell young people, if you want to make movies, go to New York and do theater. If you can go to England, I certainly couldn't afford that. But I, I got in some good teachers, uh, with some good teachers' speech, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, uh, studio HB Studios in West Village. One teacher asked, "Do you, can you be happy doing regional theater, or do you want to do... And I said, well, no, to myself, I want to do, do it all if I could. So I'm grateful for the good teachers in New York. Now, it's funny. I forgot, to, I forgot to congratulate you, man. You're really successful podcasting. You're becoming rock stars. And I'm sure you will be touring before long. Oh, me? So, forgive me for interrupting you. <laughs> no, I wish I wish I was touring. We can go on a tour together. We can tell your stories because you have great stories. Now, one thing I love about actors is when I look at the IMDb's, and you were you were at the time when you started acting, like you were on some shows. When did you start going into TV? Because I look on your IMDb, and you know you were on Starsky and Hutch, and then you were in the movie The Onion Field and Coal Miner's Daughter. It, it, I, I went out there in '78 after six years in New York or so, and the first film I did was with James Woods. It was a small part called Onion Field, about a real life true story, and. Uh, uh, Party the Prisoner, and then the first primetime TV night show was uh, Starsky and Hutch, where I played a character named Weirdo, but that was the first. After I did a soap opera briefly in New York, enough money to move to California, did you, which I ran out of very quickly. Did you move to California to pursue TV and movies? Is that why what brought you out to L.A.? Oh, yeah. I took the advice of one of the directors who later wrote Dallas produced Knott's Landing, produced uh, part of Dynasty. He said, you need to go to California. And I, while those movies I did back there, at least four independents were still fresh. And 
it was pretty good advice. Uh, they started to play on Hollywood Boulevard, and I didn't know anybody out there, and it's kind of scary. I had to do some scrambling when I ran out of money. But within nine months, I had started to work. But uh, uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question. Yeah, yeah no, now, when you moved out there, what was it easy to get auditions? Because I'm sure it's not like now where there's thousands upon thousands of actors. And it's, you know... Uh, I, my, my agent then in New York that was planning to move out there, and he kept delaying it, and I just said, hell with it. I'll go out there not knowing anybody. And there was an ex-boxer who I knew he'd never pay me back. He owed me about 1500 or so for paying his rent. And I said, well, speak to your agent and uh, about me and at least give me an entree. So I got a lower echelon agent, but he started submitting me. And luckily, the people in New York were still... Uh, Helping, they were writing letters to Warner Brothers. I walked in the office and saw these actors are worth you seeing. Blah blah blah. So I didn't. I signed with an agent. And when when my New York agent came out there, I re-signed with him. Uh, so I, you know, I mean, I, when I was out of some of it's in the book, and I hate to. Hey, talk about that. The book, we, the book we haven't talked about, but it, if I tell the stories now, uh, some of them they won't buy the book. But uh, uh, I took a couple of jobs that were kind of bizarre. To I'd get scared, and then then I started to work, and I never after 1979, early 79, never had to take another bartending job. Now you. I hope I'm answering you. Yeah, you've con you've constantly worked. Now you know one of you know you look through your your resume and there's there's iconic shows like you know we all watch Quincy and Night Ranger, and then you ended up being in um, Blade Runner. Now, did you think that Blade Runner would make the impact that it made that it had it had such a big following and it was a it was sort of a cult classic to start. Yeah, uh, no. It's I had been playing bad guys, misfits, uh, heavies, or whatever. So it was. I had just come off some TV movie called uh, Scared Straight. That was a lot of fun going into the prison and so forth. But, hey, that's Rawway, New Jersey, right, where yeah. it started? Yeah. Or uh, Rawway, the prison. But uh, to get the interview was great. And then I met the British director, Ridley Scott, whom I liked a lot, and... Some pretty good actors up for it, but the great thing was Harrison Ford was the hottest actor in the world at the time. He had had a big Spielberg movie coming out. I think he had done one a year ago. So everybody expected it to be a hit, and I was shocked to get the role, but I wore two hours of latex makeup, so it's different. He's a genetic engineer named Sebastian, but we thought it would be a hit film, and it wasn't. It was a fascinating failure, as some people said. But over the years, it did become, as you used the word, kind of a cult classic. It's probably the movie I'm asked the most about. So it's nice to be in it. Well, you're acting. You said you're playing a lot of bad guys. Were you doing any comedy? Because I know you were in Fletch. But were you getting any comedic roles, or were you mostly getting those bad guy roles or dramas, because your resume looks like a lot of dramas in the early ages. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get back to you, but when somebody, my buddy, uh, my wife said to him one time, you want to 
needle him, ask him about Fletch, because it wasn't a lot of fun. It started out as two scenes. I was on the hit series Newhart, afraid I'd never get another movie. And my agent said, you can take it if you want to, but uh, <clears throat> Chevy Chase, you know, so did I, would I, I took it, I took a lot that I shouldn't, but, I, you know, they still plays and people mention it, but what am I, the thing is, had I done comedy, I did enough in New York to have the confidence. I, when I did it and the audience applauded when I came off, I told my good friend, writer, producer, hey, David, they uh, applauded when I came off. And he said, yes, Anderson, I'd applaud when you come off stage, too. Meaning, we're glad to get rid of but <laughs> But me, I gave me confidence. Play called Fishing. And uh, so... I, I don't know. I was playing ex-con in the movie with Sissy Spacek, Raggedy Man, a moonshiner who is kind of I'm coal miner's daughter with her, and of course a convict. So, in Scared Straight, I can't remember a convict in Onion Field. So, Blade Runner was a nice interruption. Now, but I okay. Yeah. Now, Newhart. When did Newhart come along? And what was what was going through your mind when you got to audition for that? Because he's Bob Newhart. I mean, he's one of the best stand-up comics ever. I mean, he was on the top of the charts with his button-down album, and he had already oh, had yeah. the hit. What was? Did you know the, this part? What What was the audition? What did your agents tell you you were going to audition for when you went to get this part? Well, it was just a guest star, and I didn't. Uh... I did some pretty uh, bizarre things, but they worked that time. They don't, it's in the book, and the role could have been written for another person, but <clears throat> somehow I got it. And uh, then they brought us back the first year, just another time, but each time before the live audience, which Bob insists on, because you get feedback, they laughed or applauded. And, of course, I always try to remember, that's 200 people. The world's not in love with you. But that feedback uh, helped them to write us in and make us recurring regulars. And I, for parts of eight years, I had a regular job. was able to take somebody out to eat. Yeah. It generated uh, books on tape, commercials, uh, uh, cartoons. But there's drawbacks, too. I can tell you about it if I'm not too long-winded. But yeah, I want to hear the May drawbacks. I tell you a drawback? Well, Ridley Scott had a di casting director named Lou DiGiamo, and I may have met him for a movie over in West Hollywood, and he said, Ridley pays me to find actors who haven't been on series. There is the, and some people say it's worse then than now, but I'm just telling you, I've been in an interview I got the job, but the casting director sitting there and tells the director, I don't know if you want to hire him. He's he's on a TV series, and I love this guy. He said, uh, I'm sorry, Bill, I haven't seen it. He hired me. I went to Texas, drank too much, got in trouble. Uh, not, a, not at work, but actors tried to get me fired. <clears throat> we were both Raiders fans, so I, he called me in his office, and he said, look, I used to drink too much. Don't do it again, blah, blah. Pardon my digression. I know. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> he didn't mind if I'd been on a TV series. But I'm just grateful. My parents got to see it. I was uh, lots of dirty language in the projects I was doing. So before they passed away, 
they weren't embarrassed to say that. That's my son playing that dumb <laughs> on Newhart. Now, the funny thing is, it's it's people. Why do you think people were endeared to those characters? Because everyone, everyone knew, everyone knew you guys, and everyone liked you guys, and no one really. You were the one who did pretty much all the talking. Why do you think people really took to you guys? Because they did. That's why you kept coming back. Well, the ones that did and didn't just think we were weird alone only. I, I guess you start with the writing. I never appreciated writing as much until I... Have you written a book? I didn't know. It's. Uh, have you? I forget. I wrote, I wrote a cookbook. <laughs> I haven't written a book. Well, then you know that it's uh, not the easiest thing. But I guess you start with the writing. And uh, why, why we didn't get fired or why we succeeded... Uh, the two brothers had studied, one in England and the other had done over 100 plays, John Bolstad and Tony Pappenfuss. They were discovered at the Mark Taper Forum, which would never hire me. They knew more about acting than I did, and they helped me. Tough job, but why did, uh, why did they like us? I don't know. I don't know. No. I, don't, I really don't know. Maybe it's just... The strangeness of it, they they were innocents, but in you know, the last couple of years, the writers were saying, wrote some dumb things about stomping on turtles and stuff, but we survived eight years, and that's a gift from God. Oh, that's amazing. Now, were you starting to get recognized because your character looked different, you know, you had the hat and all that, I mean, you looked different on, on TV than real life, but did people, people recognize you and start coming up to you and saying, oh, hey, where's Daryl? I, I mean, did that stuff happen? Yes, it did, and I uh, uh, didn't know at first. I had a number of ladies in Fairweather. I can tell you some that's not in the book and shake shakedowns. Uh, and I drank too much off <clears throat> away from the set. But uh, yeah, you can believe in your own self rectitude or your what is it? You can give too much importance to yourself. And, and looking back, I don't know how big stars have handled it. Sometimes they can pay them off, but <clears throat> power. I, I just, uh, yeah, I got recognized a lot. Now, now you've mentioned the drinking a lot. Why do you? Why do you think actors? And I used to do stand-up comedy a lot, and I would we would I would drink when we were on the road. What do you think that? Why do you think we like to drink? Is it just because? We're used to being on stage, and when we're off, we have to be with ourselves. What do you think it is? Well, that's a great question. When I was in, uh, got a ticket out in L.A. and had to sit there a week, one of those driving things, the teacher said, it's lawyers and bartenders that we get most of. But I'm thinking about you doing stand-up. Usually, I, I think after I get through, I used to have this thing, I earned it. I earned this. And... And I wanted to continue the buzz. I don't know. They also teach you that uh, egomaniacs with an inferiority complex, you know, the AA people come to me and say this and that, or I did over the years. But I, I can't answer why we, in my case, might think we're kind of special. Deserve it. <laughs> now, now, what made you stop? The only thing that has ever made me was starting the book. Okay. Now, now. Uh, that, I mean, if that answers your question, I said I can't do this. Maybe I'm trying to con the Lord. I don't know. I have my own homemade religion, like Hank Williams. 
but I couldn't. Uh, I can see somebody. We had an offer, <clears throat> and some. I'll have to move if it doesn't. We don't get it published. But had an offer, but it wasn't very good. <clears throat> that means I'm nervous. Uh, what made me was a question. What made me stop? Yeah, I wanted to try. I can see though. Readers might say, "Damn, he should have kept drinking." <laughs> No, you know people leave. People leave you. They said he's more fun when he drank. No, no, no. What made you decide to write the book? I want to hear. I want to talk about Deadwood too and some of the other roles. But what made you decide to write this book? What? Because you have great stories. You've been in the business for a long time, and as I said, you've been on iconic shows. What made you decide to sit there and go, "I want to write this"? Well, it's a different answer every time. It's in the book, though, some of them. I had like 20 reasons to write it and 20 not to. But, of course, we'll say vanity. But I I feel so, so grateful for second chances. Uh, <clears throat> I had made many, many mistakes. Uh, and when I met this lady, I never was arrested again after... Double figures. I'm not trying to sound like a badass. I'm just talking stupid shit. Excuse my language. Uh, but going on 30 years now, she it wasn't immediate, but I knew I'd have to cut it down uh, or lose her. So what made me write it? I guess it's vanity, uh, not revenge. Uh, I had I started out just saying, well, it's all right for the grandchildren. Then I. Then I said, you can't let them read that until they're older. <laughs> but uh, I believe there's a message for people who persevere that they can achieve their dreams. Well, you know, you say persevere, but I mean, as you said, you know, you said you had some problems running with the laws, but you, you've you always worked. That's the one thing. And do you think... Well, this long, this fallow periods, it may look like it, but thank you for saying that. I, I, I did... In, from 60 to 70, it's a pretty good stretch, but thank you. Now, do you think, I mean, it's funny, is we didn't hear about it as much, and I know you're a little bit older, so you're probably not as engrossed in social media, but do you think social media hurts, like, any, like any now if an actor does something that's a little out of control, it goes all over to Twitter, but back in the day, actors and writers and back when Sinatra and everyone was drinking, no one really heard about it, no one really cared. Do you think the social media hurts that for actors who are just are artistic yeah, people? Yeah, I guess, I guess nothing secret. Can I interject, though? I had to, the publisher, I, I want to answer what you're saying. The publishers want to see this Kardashian-like platform, and I'm not good with the technical things, but we started Instagram. May I may I say it, Steve? No, oh, yeah, sure. Actor, actor, underscore, William, underscore, Sanderson. We just joined it in late February and had to do a new, uh, uh, the guy from uh, Tin Can Media is helping me with a new fan page, on Facebook page. It's called facebook.com slash Actor William Sanderson, Facebook.com. Actor William Sanderson. I'm going to share that. A guy in England had a, an unofficial. He had a web uh, Facebook thing. I'm really sorry I, about uh, that. I got off. Oh no, it's fine. The publisher wants. They, you know, if you're Tom Hanks, any old trouble getting the book published. But if you're a journeyman character actor, uh, you've got to have something. So it's, that's why we hope that people will. 
want to buy the book. It really, it really does bother me that I see sometimes that, you know, and I know actors have been around for a long time who they're saying, we need more Twitter followers. And it's like, wait a second, you know, you have a body of work. That should be enough. And that's the one thing that bothers me now about social media is that someone can be an unknown, not an unknown, but unknown to, and have no talent and have millions of followers. But some actors can have not that many followers and, and people are like, well, Who's going to come see your movie? And that's what sticks. Yeah, well, yeah, really. We we wrote uh, the literary agent and told him that there's a lot of fraud on that stuff. It was a big sports announcer. He got all this bump in followers, and then and it disappeared. Uh, whatever he did, he lost his job. So I was trying to say to them, it's not everything, guys. But I'm, I'm very bad in business. But I want to get back to your question about social. Uh, is there more the media? Is there more bad than good? I don't know. And I'm reminded without, I didn't put this in the book, her, my commercial agent, I've been with her over 30 years. She told my wife, I couldn't call him after 3 p.m. because he was too drunk. Well, that's not true, but the fact, it's partially true. So, uh, and I don't know where that came from, what it had to do with social media. But they, she didn't say. I did. I was a corporate spokesman for a root beer company called A&W. What a gig, you know. Bill Cosby wasn't available. So three years, uh, great deal. And I had a little trouble in my personal life. And that same agent said, as long as you didn't molest a child or a girl under the age of 12, you're okay. <laughs> I had marital problems. I said, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. I called my manager, and he said, Bill, you won the lottery. <laughs> hey, you have moments of uh, joy, flashes of joy, like yeah. Monet said about his painting. Now, as an actor, i got to ask you this because you've been around What's the difference now from back years ago and even 10 years ago that I talked to people who said, you know, because now everything's digital and you don't really have to be able to act. You don't have to be able to nail your scene like you're used to. Have you noticed that when you're in your set? Do you think it's becoming easier for actors now? I don't. It's never been easy because I beat myself up. It, I don't see any difference. It's cheaper for them to make a movie. I hear the cinematographers and people say, but uh, difference? No, I loved when the directors would come right up and talk to you and watch the scene. Now they're in the video village, you know, and watching two or three monitors. and uh, But... Uh, that's that's a difference. Uh, I don't. I didn't see any difference. I'm not pursuing the work now. I, I want to interject something in case I'm bragging. For every thirty people that don't like me, there's fifty that never heard of me. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, I uh, I'm sounding off a lot, and but you know I'm a character actor, and uh, so happy to survive. I want to see you interview Keith Richards because you do them so well in music. You haven't, have you? Yet. No, I wish. I wish. But I like, you know what? I'm, I like the 80s musicians and I like my character actors and my TV writers. Well, I thank you again. But Keith, you know, says I'm happy to be anywhere. <laughs> now, right now, for you, when you got Deadwood, 
what did you think? Did you think it was going to be once again? You're on these cult hits, and Deadwood's not Deadwood's not a cult hit, but it it that has... was one of the luckiest breaks I had done. What did I think? Again, I was in North Carolina visiting my son, and my wife got a copy of the breakdowns that she wasn't supposed to have. The agents didn't know about it. She went up there when she was sick, gave it to the agent. I shouldn't tell these stories that are in the book, but uh, I just tell this anyway. One. The director, the director of a movie I did with Bruce Willis called Last Man Standing, which uh, was a no box office sensation, but a thrill to make. He directed the pilot, so when I met, went in to meet the genius type creator David Mills and Walter Hill, who directed, you know, Forty Eight Hours and uh, Eddie Murphy and the other movies over the years. He, um, I felt a little confidence, but it turned out that there were only two actors that did every episode, and I was one, and Ian McShane, who played uh, Swearingen. They're mostly real-life characters. Timothy Oliphant was wonderful. Molly Parker, who's got a new series right now. Uh, Kim Dickens, all these people that did The Walking Dead or a new one. So we had actors from all over the world. I was very lucky to get it. Now, as an actor... Now, and they say, they say they're going to do it in late fall, a two-hour movie. Now, now, for you as an actor, it must be great when you do get on set with... As, and everyone has says, you know, Milch is just a genius. And you get on set with all those other very talented actors. That must be great for an actor because it's like being a baseball player and getting into the major leagues. Do you feel the, the, the talent... That's the way I felt. Whether I was number one or number 25, it didn't matter. <laughs> So you yep. feel, you feel the talent, so it really brings out your. Does it bring you out to be even to try to reach even deeper for that performance? Well, I respected the people I was working with, and HBO even gave me a, a subsequent job on True Blood about the vampires. But the what David did was turn the character into a buffoon, and that's not a problem for me. In real life, he was the first mayor and was a town leader before they became, uh, South Dakota became a state. And, uh, but uh, to answer, it was just a thrill. Now he writes, uh, for any screenwriters out there, he, Ian says he inverts three times where Shakespeare would write invert twice, but he did write a lot of it in, in, in iambic pentameter. And uh, I just hope that we do get to shoot this show this fall. They called the agent, said keep seven weeks uh, clear. But every one of them are practically on a series, and we're some of us are old, like me and Ian. Right. <laughs> now, once again, do people start recognizing you for this show? And it's probably a different crowd, because HBO's got a different crowd than a network crowd, because HBO has a different viewership. Yeah, yeah they did, and... Um, can we use curse words on your you, show? You can say you can say whatever you want. My my neighbor is a beautiful lady with two beautiful children. They're in the Toluca Lake area, and I'm walking down the street. She says, "Hey, cocksucker!" <laughs> and I, I thought that's a really pretty lady. <laughs> but that was one of the words somebody wrote. I I put in the book how many times they used the f word. Uh, it's the men taught 
he's a genius type. He is. He taught English literature at David Milch at Yale. I get to talk about him extensively in the book, and uh, he, you know, there's a lot on the internet if people want to read about him. Very self-destructive. We had that in common. He took a, uh, a nickname he gave me from uh, Edgar Allan Poe's short story <clears throat> called Imp of the Perverse, and it, boy, I had to run to the and look it up, but, but he's he's the imp of the perverse, man. He, the, people come in his office, he would, didn't know if they wanted dope or advice about their career. And uh, it was a thrill, again, to not only survive it, get in at every, every show. Tim was the star, of course, along with Ian, and I didn't mention all the people. Jim, uh, The wonderful Jim Beaver was in it. Jim Beaver was great, and he's very bright. Speaking of writing books, he's a very bright guy, and and a vet like me, the difference is he's in Vietnam. So, I uh, <clears throat> I like Jim. Now, now you do you do True. Uh, now you and this, you mentioned True Blood. That's another uh, a cult classic, iconic show that you probably have another new group of fans. Had you ever done a vampire, and did you think that it would catch on? Because all of a sudden, vampires became big. When I know, when I was young, the only vampire big was Count Chocula cereal. We didn't have vampires. Uh -huh. Did you did you think that vampires would take off again, and you'd be involved in that? No, but I read the books, and um, I said, well, he doesn't get killed. He doesn't die for a long time, but <clears throat> it was... Uh, uh, it wasn't as good as parties on Deadwood, but that's all right. It was uh, I kept the money, and sometimes when you're not in every show, you still get a guarantee. So with people still ask for the photos, uh, not not the six hundred a week that the wife on Newhart might have gotten when she's on a soap opera, but they buy them from uh, Deadwood. Deadwood apparently on that on demand has a lot. Thank God, I'm not bragging. Residuals come in. Uh, remember the drummer I'm trying to think of, of the band? Robbie Robertson? He was in the band, but he, I don't think he's a drummer. Uh, Levon Helm. Levon Helm, yeah. And Levon said they're royalties from God. Uh, <laughs> you know, so they, the residuals have come in, and they helped me say... I don't have to work now, you know. Do you do you want to work now, or are you just taking some time off? I mean, I know you're looking forward to hopefully the Deadwood thing, but is work something? Uh, I I don't. Uh, I still enjoy it, but I don't have to do it. That's you asked why I wrote the book. How, how about I wasn't doing anything else? But my wife wanted to come here, and if anybody ever gets the book, my manager has known me 35 years. Said. I'd be dead without her. So when she said it's time to move here, we had the house here for 14 years, but three years or so ago, she said it's time to move. And I never want to limp away. I don't want to stay too long at the party too many times. One of my fears with you is I'll get carried away with your flat, not flattery, nice things that you're saying, and say and do something really stupid. <laughs> I'll take a guy you're familiar with, Charlie Rose. Say you, a long time ago, you might look at Charlie Rose and want to be Charlie Rose. I was on his show, but I think you did an interview and modestly said, I want to be Charlie Rose. You work more than Charlie Rose. Charlie <laughs> Rose got too big for his pants. 
That's what I don't want to do. Because actresses go to their hometown, they start blowing smoke. Before you know it, have I said anything? I'll buy it back from you if I said anything incriminating. It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense, Steve. I jump around. Hey, I, I love it. I jump around all the time. I tell people, like people always say when they talk to me, it's like being on a boat. Like you're going, and then all of a sudden there's choppy water, and you digress off but then somehow you always end up coming back to the point so i love it I well, you're you're being very gracious yes and, and, and my agent said i always come back but that was 30 years ago and she doesn't know <laughs> i've lost it but you should have a show charlie rose a morning show whatever if you want it in addition i think what you're doing is fine i read an article in wall street journal where the podcasters are drawing these crowds and they call them rock stars. I, I, I wish. Yeah. Now, now, what's your book going to be called? What's the book going to be called? Yeah. What, what was your question? Yeah, is the, what's the title of your book going to be? Do you have it already? Oh, with that, we have a working title. But uh, I, first of all, the publisher may, the literary agent stuck something on it, but I wouldn't say there. I'll say it because... Uh, yeah, you get a lot of bullshitters. It, it, I may be like the preacher who has no congregation. It's in his mind. I played a character like that, and they called him Riv. Oh, I could tell a story, if I may, about that. Yeah, please. If you have, uh, the book, I would love to say what he picked. I would never pick the title. I happen to like Imp of the Perverse, because if you read about Edgar Allan Poe, that's me. Say moi, that's me by another name. William Soroyan said, you ever heard of George Bernard Shaw? He said, that's me by another name. I shall in influence a young actor or two in my life. No one need worry about that. He was arrogant. William Soroyan's a great writer. I can't write. I had to have external discipline. So the story I was going to tell you, if I'm not... I want to hear it. I'm in California in not a couple years. Or so. I was thrilled to get on Night Rider. We're shooting down on uh, San Pedro or Long Beach, and I had a prop in my hand. Uh, it was, it was, he's, he's the drunk, they called Red, and I was drinking it, just relaxing before I did the scene. And I was uh, nice to a, an extra, and she was bragging about how much money she'd made, and the suede cowboy boots, and I said, those are really nice. She said, I make... $75,000 a year working here. And I thought to myself, well, you make making more than I am. But anyway, so months later, we're in the Hard Rock Cafe, and across the way is a friend of mine that she didn't know at the bar. She said, see that guy over there? He's a really good actor. He's in Blade Runner. But when I was working with him at 10 a.m. in San Pedro, he was drunk. And, you know, she, the extra background player did not know and I guess my story is too long but Peter whom I was working with in New York said that doesn't sound like him to me I've known him 10 years I never drank when I worked it's crazy now I want to I want to tell me two good set stories that aren't going to be in the book because I know you probably have some great stories and I don't want to take away from the book but tell me two good set stories or things hey that let you... me uh, uh, set or sex set <laughs> Or sex, whatever. <laughs> okay. I, we all have our picking up uh, transvestite stories. Uh, we didn't put that in there. I didn't know it was a transvestite. And another one was I had an assistant 
you know, they may come back to me, the publisher, and say, you don't have enough salacious, or like the guy that wrote West Wing, they want bold, more bold-faced names. I got a lot of them, Angelina Jolene people. But, so, but let me see which story to tell you, um, set story. I love stories. Oh, those, those weren't on the set. Hmm. Well, related, let's, let's tell one that's fairly safe. The wife didn't want only crap that I did. <laughs> I had a new yellow convertible after I'd done a first good paycheck on a movie, and I'm driving down Sunset. Never do that on a Friday or night. And, but it's late, and this um, African-American lady waved, and she was had a low-cut thing, and she was a big smile, and I said, well, I'll, I'll give her a ride. I was on the way home. And somehow, instead of giving her a ride, I took her home, <laughs> or took him. I think it was him, and I sure don't want to see what I'm talking about, getting in trouble. I get home, and we're struggling a little bit, and uh, somehow I said, come on, you know, I got the blouse down, and so it's reclining, but somehow I had a club I'd stolen from a TV show, a billy club. It got a hold of that club when I was trying to keep him waking up the other 20 people in my condo, the 20 units, and it hit me in the head. I mean, he, <laughs> she, they, whatever. <laughs> it hit, that's, I don't know what to say without getting in trouble. There's nothing wrong with being a, a trans, half trans. There's nothing wrong, and I don't mean it. I mean, uh, the, but... Whatever, I don't know if it's a man or a woman. It hit me with my own club. Damn, man. And it got a hold of my wallet, and it dropped, and a $100 bill fell out, man. And I said, God, they're going to, let me call them they. They're, because they, they're going to take my wallet. They're going to they're gonna take my driver's license. I had a credit card. But it, it kept the $100, and they left through the door, and I didn't wake up the neighbors. See? Yeah, now, hit with my own hit with my own club, man. And my buddy's got a laugh out of that. But it, 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 have you ever been hit, hit with a club? I know, but I, I flew off a golf cart once and had to go to the hospital, and I had bleeding on the brain, and I was in there for two days. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm okay now, thank God. But I know the feeling oh, when you get hit. Oh, uh, was that in back in Philadelphia or New Jersey? No, that was in LA when I lived in LA. Oh, where was it? I was, when I was living in L.A., I was at a party. Yeah. and uh, this, Oh, 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 the, oh, a golf cart. I thought you were on the course. No, yeah, no, sure. I was at a golf cart on a party, and, I, and this guy yeah, was driving they, they, around, and I was going, like... They took his... I'm sorry. No, he, he turned real fast as a joke, and I flew off, and I landed wow. into the cement head first, and there was... Oh. Blood everywhere, and uh, I'm wow. lucky. I'm very lucky, but I get. Well, hit. that's much. Yeah, that's much worse than what happened to me because I didn't. Uh, except for the embarrassment and the hundred bucks. But was the driver of that thing having a few cocktails? Or uh, yeah, it was. It was a party. Yeah, they had like this botanical garden. I I shouldn't have been up there, but. I shouldn't have been on the standing up on the golf cart, but you know you have a few drinks, you get a little crazy. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're in the sure, hospital. Sure, sure, <laughs> have, and, you, uh, have you ever ended up in the hospital after a drinking adventure? Uh, boy, wouldn't I like to step out of character and say no? But somebody else did. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, 
I, I had sports injuries. I broke my arm first to the wrist, and then it, four years later, the different part of my arm, and I cut on the hip with uh, stitches sliding on a broken glass. But I'm trying to think. I should have been sent to the hospital. Uh, <laughs> no, I rushed down there to... The lawyer said, take a blood test real quick. No, no, but I've been incredibly lucky. That's why I'm worried about going to L.A. I haven't been sick in so long. Nah, you know, this, you're just, you're, 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 have your book to, to worry about now. You you won't fall into that L.A. scene. L.A.'s changing now. I just, I moved back a year ago, back east. I'm telling you, you'll be fine. Well, I thank you, and I even thank you for letting me talk about the Phantom book. But um, we like a challenge, and I keep a dream. And I do get to thank some people in the book and apologize for things. I, I thought about, now, I'm not, I'm not in politics. I stay neutral, but somebody would call Comey's book tour self-rectitude or something. Mine will be an apology, and the tour will probably be uh, nothing more than 50 miles. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Hey, you keep the dream. Some some you get, and you, some you don't. But uh, one psychiatrist told me from the neuropsychiatric unit at UCLA, war clogs out of Yale. He said, "You guys take a lot of rejection. Somebody has to pay for that." Well, bring it on. Well, it's good. <laughs> I'm glad you're writing this book, and I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be good, as you said about. Keep, you've gone through ups and downs, but you're still out there. You're still working. Now, before we go, who are the three biggest, your favorite stars you worked with, or, or just stars that you went, wow, I can't believe I'm doing a scene with them? I'm sure Bob Newhart was probably one. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, my stars were people, and I'm sorry for your young listeners, Charles Bronson and Lee Marvin and Robert Mitchum. And I got to work with Lee Marvin and Charles Bronson in a movie called uh, he'll, he'll come to me in a minute. After. But he was in Canada, and it's a true story uh, about a guy that eludes a Mountie. And Lee was drunk, but he gave me some encouragement. Um, that shows why I need not worry about working when I can't even remember the, when I first filmed some, with him. And another one I liked, he died um, in uh, the helicopter cut his Oh, Ray Milland? He was on, he was on, uh, what'd you say? Ray Milland? Vic Morrow? Vic Morrow, yeah, Vic yeah. Morrow. I saw him when I was a child, man, and in and, and Blackboard Jungle, so I get to be on the set with him and tell him uh, how much I liked him, and he was gracious. But I, he had come and reviewed the troops when I was at Fort Benning, Georgia, and that was a big thrill, because combat was a big show. Well, that's awesome. Anyway, uh, who else? Who else? Who else? I, I kind of like working with Susan Sarandon. She's so pretty. Um, but Anne Margaret. And, uh, they, these are dating myself, but Anne Margaret signed a photo for me, and then the ink evaporated. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I, there's a lot of name dropping in the book. <laughs> good. Well, I'm ex I'm excited, and uh, and the book. Well, I'm glad it's uh, you got to get on that publisher because they got to get it out and you got to have to have a good title. Now, once again, you're on Instagram. It's what's your Instagram again? It's called uh, actor, what's that, underscore William 
underscore Sanderson. And then Facebook, it's the William Sanderson. It's your, it's your, it's your, it's your page. It's Facebook William Sanderson. Yeah, new, new, new one because there's been one. And well, of course, I have a website, WilliamSanderson.net. I've had that for twenty years, but Facebook is facebook.com slash actor William Sanderson and I have to get a lot of help with it but uh, I just can't thank you enough I owe you for letting me. and the book I, I wouldn't talk for a long time and I said what the hell you know because people talk about it and it never happens I had a famous producer say everybody's writing the book well I had a manuscript and I wouldn't send it to him because I hadn't flattered him enough anyway it might happen it might not but it keeps me from blowing my brains out well worrying about i hope it does so people please go follow william on instagram and facebook and i'll share the i'll share the facebook page also go to his imdb go look at his old tv shows and movies because now you can and if you haven't watched deadwood you really should because HBO, actually, there was a poll. They said that's the best show ever from HBO. It was that and The Wire and The Sopranos. There are three amazing TV shows that you need to check out. And he's in every episode, like he said. And past Cooper that's Talk guests, Jim Beaver and W. Earl Brown are in it. So, people, go check William out. Follow me on Twitter, people. I'm at Cooper Talk. Instagram, I'm at Cooper Talk one Can you... Can you tell me how many you've done? I'm sorry to interrupt. How many shows? Over 600, right? I'm at your, when your episode posts, you will be 687. My God. And I guess you can, if you if you don't like it, you can you cut out shit? I, I don't, I never edit because I like every guest I talk to and everyone has a good story. And I feel that editing kills listening experience. Well, next time, if I ever get to talk to you, I'll try to drop some younger names but we'll, they're in the book we'll do it when the book comes out and then that you can tell sense. about the book and then and we'll and people will have read it and we can do it a, an experience with the people who've li- read the book and then they can listen i hope so and um you know uh but the dreams do come true even for people that won't win any beauty contest take and, care all right you have a great day thank you you thank you steve okay take care and people, don't forget to check out my book, www.stopthesalt.com. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you next week.